Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Last night was like a success. It was it was amazing. So Rach and everyone, and honestly, like if you were here, I was sort of thinking kind of community hall vibes. I don't know why, knowing our church, we do everything just like ridiculously good. And it was, it was incredible. It was like a total, total success. And actually you probably would have raised a fair bit of money too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, sneaky, sneaky. Um, and then last week, all the youth team, honestly, Youth like takeover times are one of my absolute favorite things ever. And, um, and I love that we don't patronize our young people by sort of just, you know, giving the little golf cart. But we honestly like we are so for you and, um, and Andy and Rach and me, like your whole team. I, I love it. I think it's so, so good. And um, I was, I was so, years ago when I was youth pastor, actually on a youth takeover Sunday, I went out to our car in the morning to drive to church and someone had jumped on our front windscreen and smashed it. And um, it was like, you know, one of those days too where you go, I think God's actually going to do something really powerful today. And it was like super powerful. It was great. So uh, yeah, and windscreen insurance, it was all fine. It's not, not a worry. So I honestly believe that, that God is speaking something powerful to us tonight. And I, um, I pray that you are prepared and your heart is sort of leaning into what God wants to say. Obviously you have masks on. So, just got to work the eyes, all right? Like just smile with your eyes or give an amen with your eyes or your mouth. You can do that too. Oh, uh, wow. Who would have thought? So I've been thinking for a while. I'm in my extremely late 30s, right? Like extremely, as late as you can get. And I've been thinking for a while about success. Like what is success? What does it look like? You know, I'm pushing 40. Like it's close. But for most of my life, like we always think, what is success? What does it look like? And I found myself the other week with two guys who, weirdly, we all were 39. I never, never really hang out with people who are the same age. Three of us, totally different lives, totally different values and whatever. But we're sitting there just chatting, having a great time. One of them goes, you'd think by this stage you, you kind of would have like worked it out. Like you'd have it all together, wouldn't you? And we just sort of were laughing and just talking about that. You know, you'd think you'd sort of be successful, essentially. So what, what does success look like? And I mean, often we think about like career success or owning houses or cars. I'm sorry if you're young and you missed out on buying a house for cheap like your parents did. Honestly, house prices seem so cheap in the 80s. And now it's like you've got to sell an organ to buy a house. It's, it's crazy. And so I think... We can look at success in all these strange ways, okay? So money, family, relationships. And then the church, we have different ways of looking at success too. We, we often talk numbers. So numbers of people in the room, uh, numbers of connect groups, numbers of salvations, numbers of meals that we delivered or gave away or, or whatever. And none of these things are bad. But I've been wondering for a while, like, what does Jesus say of success? What, what, what are some of his metrics for success? So I've been thinking about this, but... Before we get there, I want to give you a little would you rather, okay? So, and some of you might know, do you love the game would you rather, you know? Just, no, you don't. Okay, good. That's good. I love it. So, here you go. Here's one for you. This is a tricky one. It's a bit of a trick question. Would you rather walk with Jesus the way the disciples did, like physically you got him face to face, or have the Spirit, Holy Spirit like we do now? Talk to the person next to you, quick. 
get it right? So, there's a right answer. Well, so I guess you've got Jesus as a man is finite. He can be in one place really at one time. Like in his sort of his, um, he, he um, if he's like, I mean, I often think if Jesus was here, like in Newcastle, we'd all be, we'd all want to be exactly where he is. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit is, you know, here. So I have an answer for you. And actually it's not my answer. Jesus has an answer for you. It's in uh, John chapter 16. If you have your Bible in real paper or phone, whatever, go for it. And he says this, but now, He's talking to his, his disciples. He's been teaching them a whole lot of different things, telling them a whole lot of things. And some of it they're a bit confused by, some of it worries them. And he says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. It is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate or the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. One of Jesus' metrics for your success is that you know the presence of God with you every single day of your life. That you are a person of the presence of God. That is, that is something that defines you. Because he says, it is best for you that I go away. It is best. If you think of success, that's like, you've been the best at something. I've been successful. So for Jesus, he says, you've been the best, or this is the best thing for you, is to be a person of the presence of God. Okay, and so I honestly, I've been like, I've had this on my heart for some time with God clearly saying that we as a church need to be people of the presence of God, that that is the thing that defines us, that we are people like first and foremost, our allegiance is to the presence of God. And I I mean like allegiance in every sense that you are wholly committed above all to the presence of God. Now, I love this Um. Actually, let's just, just park here for two seconds. Because when Jesus says this, it's better that I go. And you imagine that you're with Jesus and you've walked with him, you've talked with him, you've seen him, you've watched him. I mean, a lot of your trust and your just faith in him is by the fact that he's right there with you. And then when Jesus said to them, it's better that I go, can you imagine in that moment, the disciples would have been like, but how could that possibly be better? Like there is no possible way that could be better because you are here with us. Okay. So if being with Jesus is good and he says, no, but what I'm sending is even better. And we trust that Jesus is who he says he is. That he is the son of God. That he is God is, you know, part of the Trinity that he, he is the smartest person who ever lived, that he actually knows what he's talking about. Then we have to believe is true. That what he's actually sending is better than him being in one place at one time, but him being here with us all the time. So the correct answer really is number two. And if you picked number one, that's all right because I get it. Because I think being with Jesus actually would have been super rad. But we actually have the spirit of God with us. And God is inviting you to become a person of his presence. That every day you become a person who is wholly committed to pledging your entire self to his presence, to the pursuit of his presence. Okay? So Bill Johnson says this, heaven is filled with absolute perfect confidence in God. You imagine in heaven, everyone, like, everyone totally trusts God. Perfect confidence. The world is filled with absolute mistrust. The further people are from God, the more they mistrust him. And you and I will always reflect the nature of the world 
we are most aware of. We'll reflect the thing that we're most aware of. Andy mentioned there's this, our world is so full of opinion at the moment. You could call it an opinionocracy. Okay, it's just like opinions are everywhere. In fact, I think people measure success on their opinion. That I have the right opinion or I subscribe to the right opinion or I've said the right opinion in the right social setting or I've, you know, reposted the right opinion. And we can actually take a lot of like our success, social success from our opinions. And I believe that Jesus is saying to us to park your opinion and pledge your allegiance to the presence of God. He's not so worried about you being right, but about being righteous. In fact, I don't think he really cares if you're right. Like in all honesty, I know that sounds harsh because we love to, I love to be right. In fact, interestingly, so we have, I have a little baby boy, Leon. He's, I think, nine weeks old, maybe 10. Time flies. The days are long, the years are short, all right? So sleepless nights, a few extra lines. We had so many people give us their opinion and not just say, wouldn't it be nice if you were having a girl, but tell us that we were having a girl. Like, I don't just mean like, wouldn't it be nice? You know, you've got one boy, wouldn't it be nice to have another boy? We had people look at Eva and say, oh, you're having a girl. Like so convinced of their opinion that they are totally right. And when he was born, I was like, well, you prove them all wrong and I can't wait to see what you do with the rest of your life. You know, it's like, so we can give so much credibility to our own opinions, our own opinions about so many things. In fact, one of the things I've always loved about our church is that is the, the presence of God that unites us. And we have different opinions on everything. But for a lot of years, we've been able to sit with those and go, you know what, that's not the main thing. This is the main thing. The presence of God is the main thing. And I'm committed to the presence and I will love you even if you disagree with me. And so for us as a church, that is our call. That we become people of the presence of God. So what is the presence of God? Okay. So you have God with you, essentially. You know his peace and his joy. You delight in being with him. You are aware that he is with you. Sometimes you go through wilderness times, and because you know of his presence, you know he's still there, even though you don't always, it's not always like fuzzy feeling. But you have the presence of God with you. It actually leads you to acts of justice and mercy. The presence of God gives you power to do things that you cannot do on your own. Okay, so when the church was born, so Jesus talked about this. He said, I'm going to go and I'll send the presence of God. And I'll send the Holy Spirit. And so then there's, you know, all the believers here praying in the upper room. The Holy Spirit falls and the church is born. Now, when the church was born, they weren't born on, you know, we all share a nuanced ideology about this. Or this church has great facilities or good leadership. They were born because there was a bunch of them going, I'm experiencing the presence of God and you're experiencing the presence of God. So let's experience the presence of God together. That was it. There was no building. In fact, there was, there, were no, like, there was no leadership structure yet. There was no, you know, food bank or youth ministry. It was just we're experiencing the presence of God. So let's do that together. That's, that's actually where it started. So that's the thing that unifies us. It's the presence of God. It's his, it's his presence. And it separates us from any other club in the world. You go to any fitness club, F45 or CrossFit, you can go down to the local RSL or wherever you go. The thing that is different about this place is the presence of God. And if we don't have the presence of God here, then you may as well go anywhere else in all seriousness. If the presence of God is not here, then don't sit here and listen to me because like you might have more fun. Actually, can you even dance in a nightclub right now? I don't even know. 
Is there even any live music playing anywhere? It's a bit disappointing. If, but if we have the presence of God with us, it is the presence of God that changes lives. My preaching tonight won't change lives. The, the lights here won't change your life. Damo does an amazing job. It's not going to change your life. Okay, the band plays beautifully. They worship well, but it's not going to change your life. It is the presence of God that will change lives. And so the thing is, as the church, more than all the programs we have, the thing that we need, the thing that you need as an apprentice of Jesus is the presence of God. I think I've said a pres- the presence of God a few times. I'm going to say it heaps more. Because essentially the message is that you become a person of the presence. That the thing that defines your life, defines your success, is not how much money you have or how many houses you own or how well you do in your career, but that you have the presence of God. The thing that defines success in your family is not, you know, any other factor, but is the presence of God residing within your kids and your, you know, your partner? Like, is, is the presence of God there? Is this a place of the presence? Your workplace, a place of the presence. Your street, imagine if your street was a place of the presence of God. My street would be radically different. Seriously. Maybe all the magpies would leave. They're filthy. Evil, evil creatures. Seriously. Come and, come and live on Newcomen Street just for a bit. Oh, also, the other one is the Rosellas. Oh, no, I was praying for deliverance for these birds. Honestly, I think someone had cast a demon into them. So honestly, it was like once winter hit and all the leaves left the trees outside our house. It was like, thank you, Jesus. Because it's like these, honestly, it's, there was one night, I kid you not, like these birds are, <laughs> so it's just going to be group counselling. These birds are so loud. I, I like that. So where's that? Who's in our connect group here? Okay. Can we have connect when the birds are going? No, we sit there. And we wait, yes, until the sun goes down and we stare awkwardly, don't we, Jerry? We just sit there. And we honestly cannot begin connect until they go. And there was one night, though, I think it was a storm or something, or sometimes if a car backfires and I'm lying there in bed and the birds were loud. And I was like, midnight. I was like, this is insane. I was like, surely they can't get any louder. And then they did. <laughs> I was like, this is nuts. Anyway, let's move on. I want to show you this quote. So E. Stanley Jones, he was a a, a missionary and a theologian called like the Billy Graham of India. And he said this, the early Christians did not say in dismay, look what the world has come to, but in delight, look what has come into the world. And we can, as a church, be really focused on different problems, problems around. But the problems aren't the thing that unite us. Like it's the thing that unites us as a church, the thing that we gather around is the pursuit of the presence of God. Okay, that is actually the thing that unites us. And so as we pursue the presence of God, experience his presence, we actually have the answer to, a lot of the, to, to all the problems of the world. But by focusing on those problems doesn't actually fix them. Our focus must be on the presence of God. Okay? So pledge allegiance to the presence no matter what the cost. All right. So I want to talk about two, two characters quickly who chased after the presence of God. The first one is King David. Now, if you've got your Bible... Jump over to Psalm 27, verse 4. And he said this, One thing I ask from the Lord, the only thing, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. The one thing he sought after, above anything else. Now, a lot of David's Psalms are written in times of turmoil. He could have you know, had people chase him to kill him or to overthrow him or, or he might have just royally stuffed up, which he did a few times. But every time you look at these Psalms and his cry is not for 
for blessing in this sense of just make me wealthy is cry is the thing I want most. Like all the other stuff would be nice, but the thing that I want most, the thing that I pledge allegiance to is the presence of God. Above all else, the thing I want is the presence of God. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. So to delight in God, just to be with him, to know him like a, a friend or a lover, like to be with someone who you go, I just want to be with you all the time. That's, that's what he wanted. More than success in the worldly sense. And he had success in the worldly sense, but his greatest desire above all that is the presence of God. It goes on in verse 13, he says this, yet I'm confident, he goes through a whole lot of things, but yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. He's saying, while I am alive, even if I don't always feel like I've got the presence of God, because I've tasted, I'm confident that I will see his goodness. I'm confident that he is with me. I'm confident that I will experience his presence. I'm confident that even right now, I might not be like feeling it, but I'm confident that I will because I trust his character and I know that he is good. He's trustworthy. So David's journey is not a search for a better life. It's a search for God. And we often are searching for a better life, searching, waiting for the next thing, the next, you know, if you're in year 12, you're waiting to finish year 12 and then you get to uni and then you're thinking, well, and then I finish uni and I get to get a job and then you get a job and you want a better job or you want a, you know, a promotion or, you know, then you, like we're often looking for the next thing. And David's saying, the thing I want most is not all the things. I want the presence of God. That's the thing. That's a, a success definer. Okay. The next character, you might know this, is Moses. Now, Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. They'd been slaves for 400 years, had no cultural or national identity aside from the fact that they were less than human. And God started to give them dignity and gave them laws and showed them how to work as, as a family, essentially. And Moses is taking them on this journey and God promises him this land flowing with milk and honey, which sounds amazing, doesn't it? You know, and so, so he's taking the people there. But he's encountered God along the way. And God tells him, all right, take the people on. Take them into the land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses replies to God, he says this, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. God, if, if you're not going to come, I don't want the promised land. I don't, I, I, in fact, the thing that I want more than that is you. That's better than the promised land. Your presence, I'd be, he's essentially saying, I'd be happy to stay in the desert. And he'd already been walking around for a long time by then. I would be happy to stay here with your presence than going to the promised land without it. And so often we pray so much for the next thing. We're praying for God to answer our next thing. And we desire the next thing instead of actually desiring the one who can actually give us that. Who's better, better than the answer to the prayer. Better than the answer to prayer. It's his presence. So Moses pledged his allegiance to the presence of God. Everything they needed was found in God's presence, more than the promised land. Everything. So for Moses, he defined success as God with us. For David, he defined success as God with us. And as a follower of Jesus, our metric for success, one of them needs to be God with me. I have the presence of God with me. I know his presence in my life. Okay. So those who, re, who diligently seek him will be rewarded. Now, what will they be re rewarded with? Not blessing in any sense. The blessing they receive, that you receive, 
is God himself. So if you diligently seek God, it says you'll be rewarded in Hebrews, but the, the thing you receive is God's presence because that's actually the best thing he could possibly give you. Better than any blessing, any, any answer, any monetary thing, any, any sort of you know, success in the world, the best thing he can give you is his presence. So things don't change people's lives. Okay, we know this. The presence of God changes people's lives. So what if you're not feeling it? Are you feeling it? Are you feeling the presence of God? Maybe some of you are going, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it. And others are going, I'm feeling a little demotivated. It's like it's a, it's a weird time to be alive right now. There's uncertainty about whether we're going to have another lockdown at some point. There's, there's fear around people getting sick or different things happening. Sort of mistrust and division around, around our country. It's easy to feel just a bit worried. So what, what if at the moment, or maybe you're just, just feeling a bit flat, you're like, I've just been watching Netflix and I haven't really experienced the presence of God in a while. Watch some decent shows, but you know. So if you want to, um, actually on Christmas Day, who has a really big Christmas lunch? Some people, okay. If you want to be really, really hungry for something, what do you do? You fast, you don't eat. You stop eating for a while. Who's ever fasted for a long time before? 40 days? No? Starving? But if you fast for, especially for a short time, you really, really feel it. Okay. And so if you want to be hungry, you don't eat. Now, the funny thing with the, the kingdom is it's, a, it's like an upside down kingdom. God likes to flip things on its head. Because if you starve yourself from the presence of God, that distance generally seems to create, well, it creates a separation that I think creates a mistrust. I actually, my working theory is that isolation actually leads to, uh, to suspicion and mistrust. That the more people are apart and siloed, the more they lack trust in each other. And I think with, with God, when we're away from him, we can start to doubt his character. We think maybe you aren't who you said you are. If you want to be hungry for the presence of God, do you know what you need? An encounter with the presence of God. That's actually what you need. If you want to be hungry for the presence of God, you need an encounter in his presence, which sort of you go, well, hang on, of course, but you actually need to have a taste. It says in Psalm 37, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because once you've had a taste of it, you go, oh, that's really good. And you're hungry for more. You're hungry for a lot more. If you want to read the Bible, you don't just keep it closed on your shelf and look at it and say, one day I might read it. You actually open it up and you start to read it. And then the more you read it, you go, oh, actually, God's speaking to me through this. This is incredible. And I want to read more. And then you start to read, and you're like, God's speaking to me through this. And you get some weird parts. And you're like, he's still speaking to me through this. And you're hungry. And you actually desire more. So distance creates a separation that actually doesn't lead to that. But when you taste it, when you start to do that, it gives you, you and so, so you might need to start small. You might be saying, well, I'm really not experiencing the presence of God. Well, you, let's start small. What's, like, what's, what's your go-to worship song? What's the song you go, actually, when I listen to this, I, I know I, I feel the presence of God. So start, start there. Put it on. and Go, okay, God, can we meet together? You could set a date. Put it in your calendar. Or do it on the way home. Whatever. Open your Bible. Start to, start to read the Word. Pray. Maybe try sitting silently in a room on your own. Terrifying, I know. I'm an extrovert. Terrifying. Like to begin with, years ago, okay? But you have to start small, okay? And say, God, could I have an encounter with your presence? I stayed a little bit. 
Because once you have a little bit, it leads you to wanting a whole lot more. Okay? So the presence of God will change lives. Let's jump over here. Okay, so time in his presence creates expectation. The more time you have in his presence, the more expectant you are for him. Because you know his character, you know what he's like. So time in the presence of God creates expectation. Expectation for God is a good thing because he is of his word. He is true to his word. And so you can expect God to show up. You can expect him to bring his presence because Jesus promised it. And so he doesn't back down on his promises. Okay. Now, who loved going to music festivals and gigs when they were actually able to happen like properly? Okay, four people. Okay, so I absolutely like, like this weekend. It's I think it's on now. There's like Splendor XR, which is like the virtual Splendor event. And it's like Splendor in the Grass, you know, massive music festival. It's just not the same. Not the same. If you can't be there, there's something amazing. And I love, loved, still love going to see live music. Okay. And there's something about being in a crowd of people and you're surrounded. There's like the hustle and bustle. And you're trying to, you know, if you want to get to a good spot, you're sort of, you know, shoving people to the side. Of, you know, it's kind of good if you're tall and just stand there and everyone's short around you, can't see anywhere. But there's something fun about that. But once you've tasted the other side, being like the AAA pass or the gold pass, and you see what's on the other side and you see that there's comfy lounges and better food and better drinks and short lines if no lines and priority space to watch the event. And everyone's just relaxing while all the plebs are out there hustling and bustling to get to their, to their spot. And once you've tasted that, there's no going back, except for if you don't have access to one of those and then you're at said music event or festival and you look over and you see the AAA area and you're like, that's, that's where I belong. They're my people. I belong there. They, they gave me the wrong pass when I got to the gate. This is where I belong. And so I believe that God wants to ruin you with his presence, like ruin you to the point where you taste his presence and you go, nothing else compares. I've tried everything else and nothing else compares to the presence of God. You are so delighted in his presence that you, you're looking over when you're not with him and you're going, that's actually where I belong. That's that's where I belong. I'm a, I'm a person of his presence. I belong in the AAA area with the comfy lounges and the you know, nice food and relaxed people. So God wants to ruin you for his presence where you taste it and you go, that is exactly what I want for the rest of my life. I want nothing else. Nothing else compares to that. So God's blessing is not the stuff he gives us. It's not the things he does for us. His blessing is his presence, his very presence with you. That is his blessing. And so, God, would you increase our desire for your presence? On a Sunday when you come to church, I mean, I know sometimes I come and I'm really hoping the worship team have brought the presence of God. I'm hoping that Stu and the team have prayed up hard because I'm bringing nothing. It's like a knowing laugh, isn't it? As a church, you imagine... Like the word success just doesn't sound quite right. But if each of us was constantly chasing the presence of God, you imagine collectively what that would look like. Not showing up hoping that someone else has brought the presence of God, but showing up going, I have brought the presence of God. The presence of God is here and I'm so aware of God's presence with me. In fact, I was aware of it in the car. And when I got petrol on the way here and I was aware of the presence of God with my family, 
crazy. And I was aware of God at work and, and I turn up to church and then I'm surrounded by people who are also aware of the presence of God and chasing his presence. And then we won't have to rely on programs and lights and all these things, which we will still do, but we will see mass transformation because as a church, we are chasing so hard the presence of God that people look and they go, oh, there's actually something different about you. There's actually something you've found the key to success in life. That's actually what it is. So can I honestly, if you are, if you are young and you were looking ahead at your career in life, chase a career, but above that, chase the presence of God. Like above anything else, you'll be, when you get to the end of your life, you look back and the, the success definer of your life will be where you're a person in the presence of God. And you will see that across every area of your life. So we are going to pray, but I want to actually give you an opportunity to encounter the presence of God right now. And um, we're going to have communion now. You can see it's also, who's serving communion today? We have a team to serve communion. Amazing. So we're going to worship in a second. And, and Stu, actually, that, that song is, is so perfect. Would you open our hearts and open our eyes and open our ears to know that the Holy Spirit is here. He's here with us. And we're going to have a moment now where we can actually share in communion together. This is actually us as the family, the body of Christ, gathering around like the one central thing that unites us, which is God's presence here with us. And us gathering around and, and really remembering but celebrating what Jesus did for us in dying on the cross. And we, we take the bread, which symbolizes his body, which is broken, like brutally broken for us. It's like the most ultimate act of love. And the grape juice or wine, one of them is a bit darker in there, and I'm wondering if it is actually wine. You can find out. You might get lucky. Symbolizes his blood. And his blood, like if you ever see someone who's really hurt themselves, blood is kind of gross. Like really, like no one wants to touch someone else's blood. But this blood washes us clean. This blood actually makes us righteous with Jesus. It's the thing that it's like not about being like us trying to be right with our opinion. This is the thing that actually makes you righteous, that he washes you clean. And as we actually take this on, this is like the most cleansing thing you could possibly do. You thank God for his sacrifice. You thank him for his love for you. Thank him that he has transformed you and you thank him that his presence is with you now. And so as you, as you do this tonight, I really pray that you get a fresh revelation of God here with you, a fresh encounter with God as you, as you take the bread, as you take the wine, and you say, God, thank you. Thank you so much. You, like, you obviously love me more than I fully understand. And he does, and he's here with us now. And I believe that in the act of taking that tonight, he wants to encounter you in a way that you weren't seeing, in a way that, that you haven't experienced before. He wants to speak something directly to you. So I would say be prepared for that. Say, God, I'm, I'm ready, I'm willing. So as we do this tonight, obviously, we need to be careful that servers have tongs, fantastic, and I think there's a gluten-free option somewhere. That way, yes. So good, see? Because no one wants to take communion and yeah. So let's pray. But can we just, before we do this, let's just pause for a moment and invite the presence of God 
to speak to you in this moment. So, God, we thank you that you love us like more than we could ever possibly understand or imagine. We thank you that your presence is here with us. We, we desire to be people of the presence of God. And as we, as we taste of you tonight, as we have a taste of your presence, an encounter of you, Lord, would it ruin us for the rest of our lives so that n- there's nothing else we desire more than your presence? That any other success metric pales into insignificance compared to our pursuit of your presence. God, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you did something that none of us could do for ourselves. We thank you that you did it because you love us, because you love the world so much. And we say thank you. We are, we are yours. Our hearts are yours. Our minds are yours. Our lives are yours. Our future is in your hands and we trust completely in you. So Lord, would you speak to us tonight as we encounter you, Jesus? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message. God has been speaking to you. What is it that he said to you? If you're in the room with someone else, turn and share with them what stood out to you. And I say to them, how can I pray for you? Share with them something that you love about God and something that you're thankful for this week. Or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.